Our world is dying, politicians are lying And just when you feel like crying Sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves Hello, I'm Evie. I'm Claudia, and we are the hosts of The Poodcast, a podcast where we basically tell stories about people pooing themselves. I've done it. Eves, you've done it? You know I've done it. Recently, or just... Um... Not recently, but also not not recently. Okay, congrats on that. Thank you. Um, the Foodcast is also a podcast that will focus on and discuss the issues surrounding bowel and bladder conditions such as IBS, Crohn's, colitis, celiac disease, cystitis, urinary incontinence, and plenty more. The list goes what a fun bag. <laughs> Cute little goodie bag. Um, here at the podcast, we also think that laughter is the best medicine, except for the medicine that we actually take that, that helps you need us to take, you know, that with, is our, better. with our day-to-day conditions. Uh, and so we also share funny stories about when people have either pooed themselves or wet themselves. Oh, God. Oh, we've, <laughs> we've got a really good one coming up later. Oh, I can't wait for you to hear our third tale of the week, guys. Oh. That's a stonker. It's going to stank out the room. It is a stonker. Um, and I this... sounded like Sean Connery just then. I'm so sorry. Do you think that's your best Sean Connery? No. Uh, can you do Sean Connery? Sean. <laughs> so no, then. You fucking can't. <laughs> yeah, I can do Sean Connery. It's Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery. You're so talented. I can't. Fuck it. So this week, our focus will be on ulcerative colitis. But before we get cracking with our fantastic guest this week, we always like to ask each other, how's your bum? How's your tum? Evie, how is your bum? How's your tum? Do you know what? It's it's pretty much fine. I think sort of going out less at the moment. Uh, when it is bad, the situation is a bit easier because I'm just generally in my own house. Mm. So yeah, not been put in too many difficult positions recently. The one thing I'm really struggling with at the moment though is my sleep. I do have quite bad um insomnia. Um <laughs> so weird that I'm doing like podcasts about my bowel conditions about also having like really, Yeah, let's talk about all far worse all the than... issues going on in your life anymore. <laughs> it is far worse than my tummy issues actually my insomnia because that is affecting me like literally every single day and it's really hot. So today it's what 33 degrees in London and generally across the UK it's it, it's so hot that um I, okay, I will say, I just went for a wee now just before we started recording the podcast and there were two lines of sweat on the inside of my knickers. <laughs> Isn't that vile? No, because I actually find the place I sweat the most is my bum. What the... Like I get like a line of sweat. Oh, trickling on my bum down. And on my back. So if I get to work in the morning and somebody feels like giving me like a good morning hug... I literally like jump back because I'm Do worried that they're going to think that I've, you know, gone on Rumba Rapids or Tidal Wave. <laughs> for any, any Thor Park shout outs <laughs> to you. Yeah, it's it's not pleasant. Yeah, so in this heat as well, I'm finding it very, very hard to sleep and I am a bit miserable, to be honest. Oh, I'm so pleased that you're here with us. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've just been sleeping so badly. And also something that's not helping is that I feel like I keep needing a wee. So I'll like finally like start to relax and then it'll be like ding 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 go for a wee and then sometimes stuff does come out but then sometimes it's like that's not really enough to warrant getting out of bed. How many wees do you go before you go to sleep? So I always have a second wee. So like anytime I'll go to the toilet before I go to sleep and then my boyfriend will be like oh second wee the when second I get up because there's always at least a second wee and then there might be a third and a fourth wee where nothing because I often suffer with cystitis so it's quite usual for me to feel the need to go to the toilet and then nothing happens. Mm. but how many wheeze do you do before you go to the toilet before you go to bed 
20. Wow, okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a definitely a psychological thing. And it's weird because it's almost never nothing. So it's not cystitis where nothing comes up, but you feel the urge to go. So, stuff generally does come out, and I think what doesn't help is I do, I do drink far too much Diet Coke. You, I mean, literally <laughs> sat with a glass of Diet Coke right now. Cheers. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's even on the days I don't drink Diet Coke, which is probably sort of four out of seven days, I, it's still... It isn't like I don't drink Diet Coke all day every day. Oh, okay. I drink Diet Coke maybe th- twice or three days a week, um, and when I do, I really hammer it. But um, yeah, even on the days that I don't drink Diet Coke, it's the same problem, just less wee, as in like, less comes out. But the the frequency of the trips to the toilet is about the same. So yeah, she's probably going to talk to that. somebody about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not the person you should be telling this. Yeah. <laughs> so Claudia, what? Uh, how's your bum and how's your tum? So my tum has been a bit annoying this morning because I had a few too many uh, mouthy gins last Fucking night. Mouthy gin is delicious. Blood orange. Blood. O- that's not the colour of what happened. The blood, o- <laughs> blood orange is the flavour. Does it make your wee or poo a different colour? No. Although I did actually, when I went to Ibiza when I was 18, I went with 16 friends to Ibiza. So, do you have 16 friends? I did then. <laughs> Still two of them hanging around now. Um, and we went to Ibiza and we stayed in one of those all-inclusive hotels, which I'd never been in one before and I went mental. I didn't, you could literally get there in the morning and ask for a cocktail and a thing of nuggets and just sit out at like 10 o'clock in the That's morning because you, you are if anything you you are cocktail and nuggets i'm a cocktail and nug that's me i know you are so i would go to the bar and i got quite uh passionate you might say about or aggie no not aggie you do get very aggie i'm quite an aggie drunk but at this point i wasn't <laughs> drunk yet and i was i was getting um this cocktail called blue lagoons Oh, I love a Blue Lagoon. Oh my God, Blue Lagoons. I'd never had them before and I, you know, I was 18. Not that I've learnt now, <laughs> 10 years later, but I was. You know what I'm going to have to say next. So. No, stop. We're not going to go into my drunken escapades. In Marbella. Stop it. Yes, we are. Stop it. So I was get all these Blue Lagoons and then I'd had so many one day that I went to the toilet with my friend Bridget and I just remember like, Bridget, come in here a sec. And she was like, I don't want to. I was like, please. My Look poo had gone bright blue. Oh God, your bright poo? blue from so many blue lagoons. It was like a Smurf had taken oh a plop. Like it God. was. It was like that. Must be some serious chemicals in there if it's I, making your shit. A few blue. years later, Avatar came out, and I think I know where they got the idea from. Personally, what? they've discovered your Stolen. shit in a toilet in Ibiza. Yeah, pretty much. Just so the listeners have some context Please about Agnes. Don't. <laughs> when we went to Marbella, um, she gets very, very drunk and very cross if she can't get her little little mitts on some chips. And uh, there was a recruiter. Is that what they're called? Like a, recru- a club rep. A club rep. There and was he- a club rep standing in the way of me and getting chips chicken nuggets and I didn't take to the situation very well very well to put it mildly and uh what comment was he made he was like basically implying that you were taking too long he was like and I said look mate I came on holiday to get my nuggets whenever I want to get my nuggets I don't care about getting into your little weasel club and then I called him a Harry Styles tribute act and I stomped (laughs) off but apparently the next day it didn't 
people told me it didn't come out as clearly as that. And <laughs> also including it, so she turns into a baby. So she goes, oh, I'll fuck your, uh, oh, are you a high star tribute? Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, um, do you get Aggie when you're drunk emailing? That's how it works. Thank you so much. No problem. Permission to discuss condition. So this week, our focus will be on ulcerative colitis, and we are thrilled to have Amber Davies joining us today. Amber was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at the age of just 13. At 17, she had her ostomy surgery, and less than a year later, she completed a skydive for Crohn's and Colitis UK. Amber started university, climbed Snowden, and ran the Cardiff Half. She also featured on BBC Wales' X-Ray series, looking at whether hospital menus cater adequately to the dietary needs of those with IBD. Last year, Amber's activism led her to become brand ambassador for Aura Clothing, as well as running a 10k in her underwear for the Celebrate You campaign. And after all of that, Amber is only 22. Amber, how are you? I'm good, thank you. What an introduction. <laughs> I like to, I'm good at keeping myself busy. <laughs> it is making me look at my own achievements and being like, Claudia. And that, step that was it also up. that was a heavily uh, edited version. We had to just really pick and choose. <laughs> oh bless you. Amber, we always kick off with asking our guests how their bum and tum is. How is your bum and tum these days? It's funny, you know, because when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, well, technically, because my stoma is now permanent. Does that mean my bum is on my term? Ironically, my term and my stoma have been pretty good. Um, it's my actual bum, so to speak, that has been kind of the main culprit of discomfort over the last few weeks. So, but a few years ago, I had my stoma made permanent. So to put simply, they kind of take the rest of your bowel out, take everything out and sew your bum up. So they call it Barbie butt surgery because... In theory, everything is non-functioning and squeaky clean um, <laughs> after that. But I've been having these pains, which they call phantom rectum pains. So it's kind of because I think, I'm not a medic, but I think it's because all your nerves and stuff are still in place. You feel like you need to go for a poo, basically. And it's, you know, that horrific, like, dull pain in the bottom of your stomach and kind of like when your ass is clenching and you feel like you're going to explode. <laughs> it's pretty much like that and the only thing you can do really to help ease it a little bit is sit on the toilet and pretend you're going for a poo so spend a lot of time on the toilet <laughs> how long would you then spend on the toilet if you're then sat there pretending to go for a poo well to be honest this sounds really bad I quite I quite miss going to the toilet properly so quite often I'll just go and sit in our five anyway so <laughs> I really don't mind. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> anything that you take into the toilet with you to pass the time, your phone or a book or anything like that, or just, just enjoying the experience? Yeah, sometimes. Completely depends. I mean, towards the end of uni, it was a bit of a running joke um, with my housemates because I would literally just take myself off and sit on the toilet for a little while until someone else needed to come. <laughs> like, fuck you, you all get to do it. I need my toilet <laughs> entitled to this. So do you get any relief because it's something that Claudia and I've spoken about a lot sort of when you feel that urge to go to the toilet um the only thing that really will sort of put that to bed is if you kind of ha have the relief by either you know if you have diarrhea or if you get to go to the toilet when does that come for you that relief if at all it just tends to go on its own sometimes um I have a little 
experiment with different methods of trying to make it go. So I've sat on a hot water bottle in the past or just, they kind of just advise painkillers and sit it out basically. And Amber, you're our first guest on who has ulcerative colitis. So for our listeners that don't really know what that is, could you tell us a bit about the condition and how you were diagnosed? Cool. Yeah. So ulcerative colitis falls under the umbrella of inflammatory bowel disease kind of tends to start in one area or one pocket of the digestive tract and spreads from there whereas Crohn's can kind of crop up anywhere I think I've always had bowel problems to be honest um but I had all these weird symptoms when I was growing up so I used to have like mouth ulcers I used to have horrible skin and I used to get like these pussy welks on my finger like on the (laughs) beds of my fingernails I used to be really embarrassed going to school um yeah and then obviously that never really got taken seriously um and we never really pursued it because they were all just so random and little and then I began experiencing quite extreme fatigue so I started falling asleep in school I fell asleep in an exam and (laughs) got told off for it (laughs) oh no bless you yeah and then I think it wasn't until I started going to the loo a lot lot more frequently and passing significant amounts of blood that I kind of got taken a bit more seriously so to speak so for years and years I was treated for allergies um I was losing weight so doctors would kind of take my parents to the side and say you know she's got an eating disorder um this that and the other and I think they started questioning it in the end as well because you know what what else would it be how how did that feel to be second guessed uh I think I was so young at the time I I, you know, I had no guesses of what was going on. And I think more than anything, I just felt like it was probably something that I should just shut up about and get on with. So I did for a long time. And that probably didn't help to the length of time everything took. And, you know, beyond that, you don't want to be talking about those things that, you know, as a young teenager do. <laughs> so, yeah, I finally got diagnosed when I was about 13 and then started my downhill battle with kind of treatments and different methods of getting a hold of my symptoms nothing ever really working and it doesn't help because I come from rural rural mid Wales so we have no hospital nothing for about 50 60 miles so I think I was 17 I'd been to my first festival probably neglected my body a little bit more than I should have don't we all Um, (laughs) there's no judgment there obviously I was taking it seriously but I still really didn't know what colitis was or what was actually going on inside and I went on holiday with my family uh, like you were discussing to an all-inclusive hotel and I love my food so I was just trying to force all this food down me and it wasn't happening it was just coming straight out you know back and forth to the toilet more than I was to the buffet (laughs) <laughs> about halfway into the holiday I was completely bed bound I, I couldn't leave the room without shitting myself basically and it, it was laughable because the cleaner would come each day and we kind of take it in turns so she she'd got used to me because we were on a two-week holiday so I'd be laying in bed when she came in <laughs> she'd do the bathroom and then but she'd like start timing herself doing the bathroom so she'd be like oh I did it in two minutes today <laughs> I'd literally get up out of bed and swap with her and sprint to the toilet and <laughs> have a poo. Relay race. <laughs> yeah, while she was cleaning the room then. <laughs> and she'd kind of get the bed ready for me again oh, and then tuck me back in for the day. <laughs> so there was a doctor on site. So I went to see them, but there was a huge language barrier. And she was just like, you've got piles. And I was like, love, I wish, I wish I had piles. <laughs> 
only. Don't start to me about piles. <laughs> so yeah, I flew home early. Me and my mum flew home early, left everyone else there. I went back to my hospital because I was like, there's no way I'm getting stuck here, like not happening. So that plane journey was fun as well. And yeah, I went straight to my hospital. I didn't come out for about six or eight weeks, I think. And I, by that, by which point I'd had stoma surgery. So. How did you feel when they told you that you were going to have to have stoma surgery at such a young age? So I think by the time I got to the hospital, I'd like shot in the taxi and all sorts getting there. <laughs> and um, I think I was so ill and out of it that as soon as I got there, I just got put on all these high pain meds and stuff. They started trying to pump some stronger treatments into me, but nothing was really, it wasn't happening. So I can't, I can't remember anything really past that point. My parents obviously remember a lot. They were the ones who got told because I was still like a child in theory. I remember waking up with it but not really, sounds really awful. I didn't really care about having it. I just cared that I was in a room with other people. Yeah. I was like, um, excuse me, can I uh, have my own room, please? Yeah, well, that's fair enough, surely. Because <laughs> I just got so used to having my own room in hospital because I'd be there for like months at a time on different treatments and all sorts. So they moved me to my own room and yeah, the stoma nurses were fab. I had this really elderly stoma nurse, bless her, and she was just like a second nan. Uh, and she started teaching me about different underwear and talking to me about sex and things like that. And I was like, all right. Um, yeah, so I just I think I just got on with it. I was just so pleased to feel a bit weller and actually be able to start eating things. Like this dietitian came to see me and she was like, right, you're like 40 kilos. Because um, I always thought a dietitian like put you on a weight loss diet. So I was yeah. like, why am I seeing her? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And she was just like, right, I'm going to bring you three different menus each day instead of one and you tick what you want put times 10 on whatever you want times 10 of and we're just going to feed you until you put on weight basically so I loved it I asked, <laughs> were there nuggets on this menu <laughs> oh yeah they bought that was the best part because I was on the children's ward they were all children's menus so yeah so for our listeners that don't know we that's how we actually found you Amber was through your brilliant podcast because we were like hold on somebody else is doing this <laughs> they're doing it very well um and so Amber has a podcast called Inside Out and the thing that I was most fascinated with about your podcast Amber is that your first episode is you talking to your boyfriend about sex and relationships and about how you met and his kind of experience um of learning about your stoma can you tell us a bit about why you wanted to kind of put that out into the world as your first episode? So Inside Out was initially a uni project because I wanted to look into methods of providing people with chronic illness and bowel disease and stomas or whatever it was with just information that was a bit more personable, basically. Um, I was going to say digestible, but that's... <laughs> uh, but important, importantly as well, I think, to provide the correct information because I definitely found that online is great and the different communities on Instagram and across all different platforms are fab but sometimes it can be really hard to identify what's like medical advice and what isn't and I think that's quite a dangerous area to be stepping in so yeah I really wanted to get some medical professionals on there as well to put questions to them that people were too embarrassed maybe or didn't have access to people to ask themselves um yeah so I've enjoyed being the little middleman doing all of that but through a lot of my research, sex and relationships was a huge one in demand. Um, it wasn't planned that way. We ended up going into lockdown and my flatmates had moved back home and I couldn't I couldn't move back home because my mum is a key worker. 
Right. So the risk was just too high. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going to have the house to myself. going to have brilliant lockdown. Crack on. And like two days in, I was like, I can't do this on my own. I'm so, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> so lonely. <laughs> I'm bored. I was like, the only thing I had to do was uni work. And I was like, I don't want to be doing that the whole time. So yeah, Dan, my partner, started working from home as well. And we'd kind of had a few discussions about moving in together once I'd finished. So I was like, do you know what? let's just put it to the test. I'm just going to say to him, I'll ask him anyway. He might say no. I said, do you want to just come down and stay for the foreseeable future? (laughs) 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 All right. Yeah, go on then. And uh, yes, that's what we did. And it was really, it was really lovely and it was great to have company, but obviously I picked back up on on the project and I was like, oh my gosh, who am I going to speak to? Um, What am I going to use? So I managed to loan this like tiny microphone from uni and I just sat there one after- afternoon and I said to him, should we just have a pint and like have a play around with all this stuff and see if we can use it and make something of it? And he was he was really, really nervous. And so I was like, don't worry, we won't use it anyway. We'll just literally practice. So we sat down with a pint and I had a chat and I put, you know, all those questions to him from various different people. And I listened back to it. And although we were both so, so nervous, I was like, I think this is actually really valuable and you know although we speak about those things we're so open like getting those responses from him like so directly and particularly to other people's questions as well I just thought you know fuck it I'm gonna use it (laughs) and he wasn't very happy he was like oh my god like the boys are gonna listen like I'm really nervous like I've literally got in my notes we stand down (laughs) because he you know all these questions that you're asking him you know about his first experience when um when you tell him that you uh, you know on your first kind of night out together and then you tell him when when you come back that that you've got a stoma bag or that you know your first experience of having a shower with him and all these Mm. things and you put all these questions to him and every single time he's just like I don't really care I just really liked you (laughs) like that was literally every and I just thought oh I just so lovely I think especially as a girl that I'm sure that we have all these perceptions of what boys are going to think of us and what is deemed beautiful Mm. when so often you know he he mentions so often that he thinks that he thinks that you're more amazing for everything that you've gone through and I think sometimes we don't give ourselves and others enough credit that people don't care about these silly things that Mm. we that we deem that might be unattractive and well done on finding such a good in there. Yeah. Oh, bless him. I should have brought him on. Yeah, we <laughs> love Dan. Dan. <laughs> um, and also something that I, I've i been considering um, for the first time, when I've not really truly thought about this, is um, sort of the visibility of, of stoma bags. Um, and on the podcast, you sort of talking about how you're watching Love Island. What do you think it would, it would do to have somebody on Love Island who had a stoma bag? Yeah, I think for me definitely my younger self it would have been incredible on so many levels but it's funny because I've actually been approached a few times over the last years to go on naked attraction Um, (laughs) although representation of any sort is great you know and I'm not going to diss it in any way it's not well fortunately or unfortunately depending on which way you look at it (laughs) that's not the one for me but (laughs) yeah something like Love Island I think where it has this reputation as well doesn't it within the general public of making people feel a bit rubbish about themselves or make them feel like they have to look a certain way. So I think having someone, you know, whether that's someone like myself or with someone someone with a more visible disability, anyone, I think, yeah, like I said, representation is great. And 
it's normal at the end of the day, isn't it? It would be so good to start seeing people like that on there or even having discussions like this <laughs> around the pool. Um, something actually that you just mentioned there, Amber, you said, oh, somebody with a um, more visible disability. Would you consider yourself to be disabled? And if so, or if other people with a stone bag do, um, how does that play out in how, in day-to-day life? Because it's not that visible. For example, I don't know, using disabled toilets and that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, I think it's something, particularly with kind of invisible illness or invisible disability, whatever you want to call it, people kind of can choose to identify with it or not. Obviously, there's huge stigma surrounding the word disability, isn't there? Um, But for me, I don't mind it and I use it because, you know, I think I do need help at times. Yeah, and I've definitely experienced quite a lot of negativity and discrimination when out and about because... I do look normal, whatever normal is. And people do second guess you, don't they, for using facilities, like you said, like accessible toilets or whatever it is, when you look a certain way. Have people questioned you for using a disabled toilet? Oh, yeah, masses. And particularly, I found as being a student as well, um, you know, I don't deny it. I like going out for a drink and staying out until whatever hour in the morning. Um, I do use the disabled toilet. And you know, it's great. Girls love a loo on a night out anyway, don't they? So having a disabled toilet is like fantastic. But, you know, I do need it. And, um, you know, there's times where I've been in like the student's union and I've had my radar kit taken off me. What? Yeah, yeah. And there was an incident last summer, I think, which really tipped me over the edge. So we were in a weather spoons. I was having a bad, a bad day in terms of my skin and having a few leaks and bits and bobs. And I was back and forth to the toilet loads, which is not pleasant and Weatherspoon's toilets are not pleasant either are they and the door in the Weatherspoon's toilet door is always like right in the middle of the pub so you're like walking through a family having their dinner and the door is just there <laughs> yeah so I've been back and forth loads and then I had a particularly bad leak and I was just said to Dan like because we were moving on to somewhere else I was like will you just come with me give me a hand because there's no way I wanted to put like my clean stuff out on you know their manky floors yeah so he came in with me, bless him, and he was giving a hand wherever, which is, again, like not something that I want anyone to be doing with me, really, and probably not that pleasant for him. And we, someone was knocking on the door and trying to get in, and I was like, oh, for God's sake. So I was like hurrying the job, which, you know, is a bit of a dangerous thing to do anyway. <laughs> and we come out, and we both literally got grabbed by a bouncer each. He got chucked out of the pub. I got kept in and locked in, actually. And they just like absolutely rinsed us and questioned us they searched us for drugs accused us of having sex in there dealing snorting so I ended up explaining quite graphically to them what was going on I showed them my bag I think as well as you know all the usual things like a can't wait card and stuff and yeah so they offered me a 10 pound voucher which was <laughs> lovely of them <laughs> well I mean you can buy 50 drinks with that in still <laughs> Oh god! So, um, were there any sort of repercussions after that? What did what happened next? Yeah, so I actually I sound like I'm on holiday all the time now. I was on holiday the week <laughs> after, and my phone was just going mad because obviously the media had picked up on it and stuff. So I think through that attraction, Weatherspoons did end up changing their toilet door signage to like accessible toilets or something, and supposedly gave some of their staff like better training. Um, yeah, but I couldn't tell you. I haven't been back since. <laughs> I'm not well, surprised. But, but I mean, as terrible as that experience, I'm sure was, 
you've probably made things just that bit easier for you know the next person that has a, a leak with their stoma bag or needs that bit of help mm. if they you know helped train their staff better you've possibly made it just a little bit easier for somebody else um so Amber talking about um going on holiday and things on your Instagram you kind of um post a lot of uh travel tips whether it be um clothes like bikinis to wear or uh different things that you can do especially like you say if you've had barbie butt surgery of Mm. uh, tips for traveling can you tell us a bit about that yeah so I think it's one of those things that definitely when I went through surgery there didn't seem to be that much information out there like little booklets and stuff you got given they had like pictures of cute elderly people on there and it was very much like if you want to go on holiday go on holiday if you want to have sex speak to your partner about sex and I was like well this is no good is it so I was you know I thought well I'm just gonna do everything then yeah so I started going on holiday and wearing clothes normal clothes because that was a big thing as well I was like oh my gosh what what am I gonna wear because I was like 17 everyone was wearing mini skirts and body cons and I was like oh my gosh like I'm never gonna be able to wear that so what did I do I was I think I was lay in bed in hospital and much to my mum's dismay, I ended up organising my 18th birthday party from hospital. And, like, not not just a little gathering, like a full-on party. And I came out of hospital, like, a week before it. I don't know what was going through my head. And I was like, well, I'm going to wear a bodycon. <laughs> so yeah. I wore this dress. And I think I was still high on pain meds, to be honest. I had the party. And then after, I was like well I wore it and there's nothing wrong like you might have been able to see it but who cares I'm probably you know I was probably too drunk to realize I think you develop like tips and tricks along the way and I just thought you know if it's helping me as simple as some of these things might be it might help other people so you know I'm no fashionista but I thought I'd give it a go and let people know what works and what doesn't and do you find any clothing brands in particular kind of always release stuff that's really good for people who have stoma bags or to kind of get a big haul of whatever uh yeah personally I kind of look for certain styles and fits instead so I like shopping everywhere (laughs) but yeah there are specific brands like you mentioned Aura Clothing who do some fab jeans and swimwear yeah I think over the years I've just found bits and pieces from certain shops that I just really like I end up bulk buying like 20 pairs of one knicker from M&S or (laughs) that's true even if you don't have a stoma bag everyone finds clothes that suits them and they they like I mean I've got the exact same dress uh, just in three different colors yeah (laughs) actually you know by shopping to try and fit your body it's kind of the same as what everyone else does anyway if you can just find something that you enjoy to wear just fucking wear it like just and on the of, of not wearing how amazing was it to run through London doing the 10k in just your underwear I was looking at photos it must did it feel really empowering because it looked amazing it was. I mean, I was absolutely bricking it. Um, <laughs> but it was great because there was, I can't remember how many women there was, but there was about, there was hundreds of us in our underwear. So it wasn't just me. Across London after your night in Weatherspoons, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I went on my own and I didn't realise when I turned up, like people had gone together. So I was like, oh my gosh, here we go. So I ended up talking to a few girls, but, you know, they were much better runners than me. So I was like, you go. <laughs> so I ended up actually doing it on my own but it was great because we had we all wore the same uh underwear runderwear it's called and your name was printed across your bum so I, I was running on my own but people would be like 
shouting my name and like cheering me on so it was lovely it was really really nice but one lady towards the end and I was dying she actually jumped out like over the barrier and she was I think she was American and she lifted her top up and she was like oh my god I've got one of them and I was just like oh that just made it oh I think I would have burst into tears on the spot (laughs) yeah I was too tired And Amber, how's um how's lockdown been living with Dan? Is it has it been nice? Or uh, we we talk quite a lot about um me and Levy having to live with boys and getting kind of toilet tips and tricks to to hide smells and to let them Sounds. know that you're going to the toilet and all that. Have you have you had to develop any new kind of systems? I was about to say code words. That's, <laughs> how's it been? Um, surprisingly easy. Everyone asks, and I'm like. I don't think I have any comments like no, <laughs> no comments. <laughs> yeah but toilet wise we only had one toilet and we both have quite regular toilet habits <laughs> so I guess that was the only issue at times we'd have to kind of shotgun the loo when either of us needed it and we tended to leave the door shut if it was a particularly smelly one you know I'd just say like I'm going for a poo like a normal poo if I'd be going to empty my bag um just like a pre-warning in case it stunk or anything <laughs> fine so yeah I had a few a few uh punamis if you want to call it where so without going you know hugely deep into it although I well, I guess I do poo myself on the reg because you know I poo into my bag yeah. but sometimes the appliance itself doesn't stick properly or there's kind of issues from that front and with me, usually it's in the night, so I kind of wake up covered in it at times. And I woke up one day and it was particularly bad. Like, I just lifted the sheet off and I was like, oh, my God, like, where do you even start? Like, I, it, was on, it was on me, on the sheets, on the mattress. And I was like, oh, Christ. So usually I get up, I have to get up a few times a night to empty my bag anyway. So he would, like, turn around and he'd be like, you're all right, and then go back to sleep. And he, so he did that. And I was like, no, not all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, think him, I think he was half asleep still. Then he just turned back around and he was like, do you say you're not all right? And I was like, yeah. So he turned around and he was like, oh, like, fuck. <laughs> and we both just lay there looking at it for like five minutes thinking like, how are we going to tackle this? <laughs> if we don't move, it hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up saying, he was like, should I just pick you up and put you in the bath? <laughs> Dan, Dan, so much. And then I was like, right, we're in our twenties. I just shout all over you in bed, like you must be keeper. <laughs> Prior to my surgery, I hope my mum's not listening to this mind. I had like a first boyfriend or whatever, and I shot myself once doing the deed with him, and that was the most horrific thing in the world. Like I was mortified, and it was just like watery blood. It wasn't even like poo. And yeah, so it's far less humiliating now because I'm like, well, it's not my fault. That incident you just referred, was that, that I assume, before then you had your stoma back? Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, I was really poorly and probably a bit naive, to be honest. And Amber, for those listening who are a bit like us, you didn't really know much about this before, can you tell us a bit about um, what a proctectomy is and talking about Barbie butts and what that kind of involves? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I had temporary ileostomy, so a temporary stoma from formed first so they bring out a part of your bowel depending on you know where your disease is uh, through the wall of your abdomen and kind of sew it there and that is your stoma 
Um, so I think a lot of people think a stoma is the bag, but beneath the bag is that you know piece of intestine sticking out of you, basically. Um, and you have no control of that, so poo just comes out of it whenever it pleases. Um, and then for me, so some people have an option later down the line of having a reversal, so having a J pouch where they bring that stoma back in and connect it back up to your bum and the rest of your colon that they left intact. So in theory, you should poo again normally-ish. With me, after that first surgery, my disease was so bad in my rectum that I was still going to the toilet and passing passing so much blood that I was passing out. So a couple of years later, I had the completion proctectomy, to get it right, I think. <laughs> Instead of putting everything back in and reconnected it, they just went in and took everything else out, basically. So they take all of your remaining colon and stuff. It sounds funny because it sounds like it's just floating about inside you otherwise. <laughs> and grab it when we can. Yeah. <laughs> so take it all out and then, yeah, sew your bum up. So that's it for good. So if you were to have a proctectomy, do you always, if every person that has that surgery, would they always have the same amount taken out or might some people have kind of more extensive disease than others? How would that work? Yeah, so everyone's different, I think. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly how much I've had taken out because it's all happened at different times. Mm. But your stoma can be formed from your ileum, from your large intestine, small intestine, whatever. Um, And that obviously determines how much is left above the stoma. So that affects, you know, that obviously affects your digestion hugely. And, you know, if you haven't got much left like I have, then you don't absorb certain things or certain things just pass straight through you whole. <laughs> I didn't realise that large intestine and colon are the same thing. That oh, it, yeah. I did not know that. And I feel like <laughs> you learn all these things kind of in, in science when you're younger, but so little of it actually goes into your body. And I, I feel like as humans walking around, often we have very little idea of what's going on inside us. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's so great, you know, to to chat to you on this podcast to learn because even with people who don't have bowel conditions, it's it's such an interesting topic to talk about because yeah. like we can all learn something. And and also then I was saying to my boyfriend yesterday. For people who listen that don't have bowel conditions, you're then the people who might see somebody on the beach who has a stone bag or might be sat next to somebody on the train who is having a leak. And you just know how to deal with stuff differently rather than passing judgment, just understanding about a bit more about what it is. And I think your Instagram is perfect for that. Like it's so informative and I feel like I've learned a lot more about it just just reading through things like that so thank you oh, thank you I'm still learning all the time as well though and like I think it's opened my eyes and kind of thought on with other people because there's so many other invisible illnesses and stuff isn't it and like I'm still learning about my own body I had yeah. a couple of months ago I had really bad like lower abdominal pains like it really intense period pains basically and I went to the, my surgeon and I was like I think I've got appendicitis I can't deal with this and he was like what do you want back and I said think I've got appendicitis like I think you need to have a look and he was like took that out five years ago and I was like <laughs> <laughs> so no one ever told me that no one told you he was like oh well while I was in there I thought it's useless so I just took it out while I was in there and Amber where can people find you on social media if they want to or to listen to your podcast where can people find you Yes, yeah, so I'm predominantly on Instagram at Amber's Ostomy and my podcast is called Inside Out by Amber. Oh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, Thank you so much. So, so lucky. Thank you, Amber. Oh.
Thank you for having me. Thank you. And, and send my love to Dan. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Stop what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing. So now it's time to hear the listeners' turd tales. Claudia, have we had any turd tales sent in this week? We've got an amazing turd tale that was sent in off the back of the scandal that was the poop knife story. Oh, the poop knife. I've not stopped thinking about the poop knife ever since we uncovered... <sighs> Something it's origins. I've I've had time to reflect on the poop knife, and I've decided I hate it. Do you? I, hate I the poop love knife. The poop knife. <laughs> <laughs> like as in you want your own? No, I don't want my own. But I'm just so happy I found it. Oh yeah, I don't regret that. I just the concept of a poop knife. I think what I'm I'm worried about is somebody seeing it and thinking, oh, somebody's for some reason brought this in here. I better put it back in the kitchen. Then somebody chopping food with a poo knife. Well, that's foul. And you know when somebody ruins your favourite film? I've just felt like you've just ruined my favourite <laughs> utensil. Like, anyway, so this this story came in off the back of the poop knife story. Great. Because, back on track. Yeah. It... <laughs> oh, okay. my goodness. Okay, here we go. So a few years back, I went travelling with my then boyfriend and it was a trip of a lifetime. We started off in Iceland for three days and then headed to America. First stop, New York City. New York. New York. Somewhere we had always wanted to be. As we know, everything is bigger in the USA, especially the food. So let's be frank, for the whole five days we were there, we spent the whole time eating. Juicy burgers, pancakes with bacon and syrup, cheesy fries, onion rings, anything with grease, we had it. Being our first week travelling, we also hadn't acclimatised to this new lifestyle, so both of us were struggling to digest this food and have a number two. This Airbnb meant that you would have a shared bathroom with the person who lived there and you would be staying in their living room. This obviously didn't bother us on our traveller's budget and we were really excited to go and meet a local. As we arrived, the man was so friendly and so lovely and was really helpful and told us about the local area of Washington. He told us about a few restaurants near to go and have some dinner. He was going to head out for the night and let us have one night just to acclimatise to his apartment. After he left, my boyfriend and I decided that actually we just wanted a quiet night as we had been quite raucous in NYC and needed to just relax and unwind. So what's the first thing you do when you relax? That's right, you have a poo. A relaxing poo. Oh yeah. So my boyfriend headed to the toilet, taking his phone to squat and surf, as he called it, and 30 (laughs) minutes later, he came out looking a little sheepish. I asked him what was wrong, and he said he had blocked the toilet. Being a plumber's daughter, I thought, no problem. I'll just find something to push his poo down and we'll have no further problems. Searching the cupboards, I found an old wire coat hanger. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) As I walked into the bathroom, I was hit with a tremendous stench and the lockness of bowel movements. So I began using the coat hanger to push the poo further down the drain. And when I thought I had done a good enough job, I flushed the chain. To my horror, the water actually started filling up rapidly and began to overflow onto the bathroom floor. At this point, I just panicked. There was water seeping out from the bathroom into his bedroom and into the living room where we were staying. I said to my boyfriend, the only thing we can do is to continue to push. So I waded through the water and whatever else was on the floor and I began violently trying to get the poo down the toilet. Whether it's because I was looking at his poo or just terrible timing, I began feeling a real pain in my stomach. I had to go to the toilet. Oh, no. 
However, there was absolutely no option to go in the toilet that was slowly flooding the apartment. So I began looking for other places to go. I took a look to the left and saw the shower. At this point, I had no other options. It was literally coming out of me. So I squatted over the shower cubicle and to my horror, a long trail of poo. Oh, God. A bit like a Mr. Whippy ice cream began to come out of me. Oh, my God. But it did not stop. The week's worth of absolute rubbish food was definitely catching up with me. At this point, my boyfriend was trying to get back into the bathroom to help me push the poo down the toilet and I was throwing myself against the door and screaming for him to stay outside because he could not come in here to see what I was doing. After a large trail of poo had finally collected in the shower, I had to figure out a way of hiding the evidence of what I'd just done. The only thing I had at my disposal was the coat hanger. With utter shame and embarrassment, I proceeded to use the coat hanger to slice the poo into small enough pieces to fit down the shower drain. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry as everywhere I looked, I was surrounded by shit that would just not go away. (laughs) My boyfriend couldn't look me in the face when I walked out of the bathroom. A broken woman. (laughs) We managed to mop up the mess and the debris and we decided it was best we go for a walk and on our return to the apartment, never speak about this incident again. That is until the podcast came along. Oh, oh thank you. Great. The return return of poop knife. Return of poop knife. She's sort of created her own poo knife. She, that's a real Genius. kind of blue Peter, this is one I made earlier, <laughs> poop knife. I thought you were referring to the poo. Is one I made earlier. <laughs> I just think she's being very kind there by saying, you can't come in, you can't come in. It's like, sweetheart, you've literally just helped him get his turd down the toilet. I think he's Well, once again, here's the gender poo gap, because the woman is worried about her poo, and she doesn't want to inflict this on the man, but she is going taking care of the man's dirty deeds. (sighs) She's literally chopping up his poo with a hanger. Yeah, exactly. I think he should at least have the decency to face what he's done, come (laughs) back in the toilet and chop up her poo to get it down the shower. I mean, what a welcome to New York City. It's a real kind of eye for an eye, poo for a poo kind of situation, (laughs) isn't it, really? (laughs) It really is, and it's just, I mean, I'm so glad that the host was out that evening. Oh, can imagine you it was like, imagine? Yeah, it was um, not great, actually. I rented out my apartment to these two British people who proceeded to spend their first night there <laughs> shitting in my shower, in the sink, in the bathroom. Those classy Brits always, you know, bringing, bringing the poop wherever we go. You'd get a bad review, wouldn't you, on oh, uh, that. Airbnb? Yeah, I wonder what he thought, actually, that whether they cleaned it up well enough yeah. that he, whether, or whether he had a slight suspicion of what had gone on. A few weeks later, poo sort of bubbling up from the shower drain. Poor, I mean... I will never rent my house out after hearing this story. No, no. Well, not know. one that I live in. I mean, I say that as if I've got more than one <laughs> home. I don't even own the Which home. Which one? Your, your in... chateau or the ski lodge? <laughs> I did see on the BBC News the other day, it was like, is now a good time to be buying your second home? And I thought, oh, just sod off. Oh, my God, <laughs> is now pandemic. a good time to be buying, like, you know, a pizza for three? Because I can only afford one for one. Like, shut up. Fuck you. Jesus. My friend asked me the other day, they were like, oh, you know... It, it, do you are you not buying a house because you want to stay in London? I'm like, I'm not buying a house because I can't afford to buy a house. I couldn't buy it. it where could you, yeah? I was gonna say where could you afford to buy a house, but I don't think I could buy it. um the Argos catalogue. Although that's been <gasps> taken away. I I have a bit of a thing about the Argos catalogue, but I don't know if I should say. Go on, tell us. I think it was sort of my first dip into pornography. 
I used to, as a I child, not. I used to go to the, the men's swimsuit page and I'd look at pictures of men in their swimming trunks. Can I tell you about my first experience? Of porn? Well, not of porn, but that the feeling of, of knowing that that there's that there's something out there that could give you pleasure. Oh, what? It's, um, <laughs> you know, in Aladdin, right at the end, when... Um, <laughs> Oh my god, where when, is this going? When Jasmine is trying to keep Jafar occupied so that Aladdin can sneak in and, and save them, mm. and she gets into this like red little outfit and she's like, Jafar, something like, come this way. Like, I was fancying Jasmine, not oh, Jafar or Aladdin. Yeah, we're not gonna fancy Jafar. No, but like, it was just the way she was like, Jafar, you can look at this heap of sand. Like, and it was. I just remember being like, You can look at this fuck. heap of sand. Not sort <laughs> out. Really I'm... made me feel different in my heap of sand. <laughs> I also used to fancy the fox from Robin Hood. Oh. From... Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah. No, he He's was. He's a fit. sexy fox, but yeah, not was... as fit as Maid Marian Fox. And oh, no. Like, Robin lashes. Hood was fitter for me. Really? Yeah, it was He's the way he sexy. held that bow and arrow. I also liked Little John's voice, who was also Thomas O'Malley in the Aristocats. Shut up. Same voice, and I fancy that voice. So every time I saw Little John, even though he was a big fat bear, I just saw fucking Thomas O'Malley, the Tom. Oh my god, I always fancied Thomas O'Malley. I cannot believe it's the same person! I know, it's the same voice. If you fancy uh, a Disney character, please do let us know which one, and preferably what moment that that stirring within occurred, because that's always quite telling as well. It is, it is. And did you ever look at men or women in their swimwear in the Argos catalogue. No, sweetie, that's just you. <laughs> I had a... I look, I grew up on the Isle of Man. There was very, very little going on. And then when that Argos catalogue arrived... So you must keep the Argos catalogue for future little Evies who don't know how they feel about men in their swimwear. Please bring it back. Please bring it back. It's the only time I get to look at men. It's <laughs> not true. So thank you, everybody, today for listening. If you are enjoying listening to our dulcet tones, then please do subscribe to the Cars, share it on social media, rate and review. It would mean the absolute world to us. Please, please, please do rate and review because I've looked and there are four of you. So please write a review. Don't just click the stars. Unless it's a not a very nice one. You- then- but I, I would like that feedback as well. Yeah, but. I would, but unless it's something like I was once on an advert and somebody wrote underneath it, that girl has the most annoying voice I've ever heard in my life. What? Where are you? <gasps> Wait, on YouTube? <laughs> just keep... Also, who's going to fucking adverts and writing that? Like, just... You've got too much time. It's the Karens of the world, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, it probably is. And if you would like to email in, the email address is thepoodcastofficial at gmail.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, we are the underscore poodcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. And we'll speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Bye.